0: So, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you have been clothed with a mantle of authority from God, the favor of God, the blessing of God. And the blood of Jesus Christ is covering your life like it did to the ancient Jewish people there in Egypt, the blood of the lamb and the lintel and doorposts of their home exempted them from the judgment of death that pass overnight back then and you believe that you have been set free from Egypt and you now live in the freedom of God and you are the son and daughter of God you've got authority you've got dominion and you are destined for the promised land well here's my question to you who love the Lord no doubt with a sincere heart who have real and radical faith in your Lord this is my question does your faith in Christ does your deliverance from Egypt does your filling with the Holy Spirit does the favor and the blessing of God on your life does that cause your humanity to be diminished does it Nullify your humanity, and does it exempt you from the limitations of humanity? And this is an issue that is so confusing to many of us who dare to believe that Jesus has authorized us and deputized us to be his ambassadors to be his co-laborers. He has filled us, he has blessed us, he has endowed us with a spirit of power. For many of us who radically believe those things, we also begin to sort of in a deceptive way think, well, I'm less of a human and I'm not touched with the issues of humanity. I should not have the feelings of humanity or the cravings of humanity or the needs of my humanity. In other words, I am authorized by God. I have spiritual authority and so I'm immune. I am invincible. I can do what I want, when I want, get what I want, how I want. I am not subject to the laws of physics, the laws of the earth, the laws of process, the laws of sowing and reaping. Because I am in Christ, in a way I can snap my finger and I can just have it. Because I'm in Christ, I can just rebuke and resist and instantly everything changes. I am in Christ. I am invincible. Why? Because God is for me. God's favor is upon me, God is wanting to bless me and so that exempts me from struggle, that exempts me from uh, growth, that exempts me from discipline, that exempts me from pruning. It's easy to be a Christian, it's easy to just live the triumphant life. And this mindset of invincible spirituality was already prevalent within the first century, notably among the Corinthian believers who thought they had arrived. They are perfectly wise and they are glorified and live in the resurrected state already. Beloved, I am tempted, perhaps like you, to ignore my humanity and think that authority displaces my humanity. And in the upcoming examples, I want to prove to you from the life of Christ and from the life of the Apostle Paul that to be spiritual does not mean you stop being human or that you are now free from the confines and limitations of your humanity. But before we get there, can I bring to your attention, if I may, just three aspects of your humanity? Number one, It is God's will that humans who are made from the earth and made from the clay of the earth remain clay even though they believe in him, even though they walk with him, even though they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Beloved, sear this into your heart and mind that it is the will of God for you to be earthy earthly and earthling and when he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and he empowers you with giftings and graces and wisdom and knowledge that does not mean you do not have to go through the process that humans go through to learn more and grow more and study more as long as you have two feet on this planet you are bound to the principles of this planet you remain a human being that's limited in knowledge limited in power limited in capacity and capability a, a spiritual man a Christian a person filled with the Holy Spirit cannot be in two places at the same time. That just proves that you are very human, even though the hand of God is on you, the mantle of authority is upon you. You remain human. It is the will of God. Number two, the death of Jesus Christ removed the curse and the penalty. Of the fall from your life and the consequence of sin we've come to understand in the New Testament especially in the writings of Paul is death and separation from God so yes in the death of Jesus Christ that consequence that penalty of death has been removed from your life and you are no longer under the judgment of God when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Messiah, as your substitute lamb that deals with the issues of sin and death. However, I have come across the notion among many believers that since we are free from the fall, we do not need to, for instance, uh, weed our gardens anymore anymore. We certainly do not need to break a sweat on our brow to do that because that's a part of the fall and the curse, and we are exempt from that under the blood of Jesus. Women would even go so far as to say that since they are free from the curse, they will no longer experience any pain within their childbearing. It is strange, though, that there is not one Christian since the first century, that have had a perfect vegetable garden where the weeds did not choke out the good fruit. Uh, There's not been one Christian who's never broken a sweat on their brow. And there has never been one woman, if they were honest and integrous, that gave birth without some pain involved. Does that mean we are then under the curse Well, what does it mean when it says we're free from the curse of the law? You remember Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Does it mean that I'm free from my humanity? Beloved, it doesn't. Women will still have pain in birth. Men will still have to break a sweat to cultivate that vegetable garden. Our houses will still be overrun with weeds if we don't pluck it up. But that does not mean you're under the curse. Yes, this earth is in a situation where it is still very much groaning and travailing in birth pangs to be delivered from this futile condition it is in, if you remember Romans chapter 8. But as an ambassador of God living on this earth, it simply means that, yes, I'm going to sweat, Yes, I'm going to have some pain, but I am not under the consequence of death personally. In time, in the resurrection, we will be delivered from these difficulties. But until then, we're going to sweat and we will have pain and child rearing. However, we can maintain spiritual authority in God. It's not when... A woman goes through the childbearing that she's now going to curse God. She's going to blaspheme God. Why all this pain, etc., etc. She's going to go through it and praise God and and bless him and, and worship him. And that just proves that the darkness in her heart, the death in her own heart has been changed to life even though her body is still subject to some of the difficulties and the trials and even the traumas of childbearing. And then number three, it is unwise for a believer in Jesus Christ to try to prove his faith in God by ignoring and even harming his humanity. In our modern times, It has been proposed that if you take any medicine or any aid for your humanity, you are belittling the work of the cross. You are not believing radically enough in Jesus Christ because if you believe in Jesus Christ then you do not need aspirin for your headache. You do not need glasses for your weakening eyes. You do not need vitamins to nourish your body. In fact, you may not even need to eat and drink because Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never hunger. If you believe in me, you will never thirst. And so there are believers who actually frown upon medicine. One particular man who's a lover of God is also a diabetic, so he takes insulin. But then some spirit-filled brother comes up to him and says, Well, if you really believed in God, you would toss away your insulin and just live in the healing that God has ordained for you and acquired at the cross of Jesus Christ. And perhaps because that diabetic situation persists in your life, you are a man of sin, so you probably need to confess some sin and you will be healed. And believers do this towards one another. And why do they do that? They have a sincere faith in God. They really want to believe in the redemptive work of Christ, but they are naive about their humanity. Beloved, all of us, Who have believed into Christ, if we can be brutally honest, we must admit we get hungry, we thirst, we have sexual desires, we need medicine. When we break a bone, we need a doctor to fix that broken bone. And, beloved, there is nothing wrong. Hear me. It is not unspiritual to be human. In fact, God is so okay with humanity that He Himself became human and lived and walked and moved among us. Christ the manifestation of God in the flesh was fully confined to the limitations of humanity. And I want to prove to you now that when he was tempted to act outside of his humanity, how he humbled himself and restricted himself as even an example for you and I who are also now the sons and daughters of God. We are also authorized and clothed and blessed and endorsed by God. But that doesn't mean we can jump off of buildings. In and around the age of 30, The Gospels narrate that Christ came down to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John. And at this particular occasion, the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God descended upon Christ in the form of a dove. Clearly the picture of a mantle, the endorsement and approval of heaven coming to rest upon the Son of God. And then the voice of God the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, upon him is my favor, my approval, my endorsement. Can you for a minute imagine what may have gone through the mind and heart of Jesus at that time with such an endorsement of Father God and the heavens and the very Spirit of God He might have had the feeling of, I'm invincible. I can do what I want, how I want, when I want. Um, I am beyond now the limitations of humanity. If I was in such a situation where heaven rested upon me in the intensity that it did for Jesus Christ, I certainly would have thought, wow, that makes me now a superhero, a superman and invincible. But then the Gospels narrate the account of Christ now going into the wilderness and he is now tempted by the devil. And so we call this the temptation of Christ. I want to add to that, if I may, and I want you to read it with me now a little bit through a different lens. It's not just the temptation of the devil, but it's the discovery of the Messiah's humanity, even with heaven's endorsement. When the Messiah now works on this earth, will he work as a supreme being, untouchable, Or will the Messiah remain human? And this trial was to settle that issue. Will Christ remain humble and limited? Or will he now become invincible? And so the Gospels tell us that Christ for 40 days and 40 nights had nothing to eat. And so he becomes hungry. After all, humans become hungry Um, after a while if they do not eat. And so the devil just comes to him and says, Hey, why don't you just speak to these rocks and turn it into bread? After all, you're endorsed of God. You're approved by God. The Spirit of God is upon you. Just name it and claim it. And you don't have to plant grain. You don't have to wait for the season to ripen the grain. You don't have to harvest the grain and crush the grain and bake the bread. Just... Skip all of the processes of humanity and just act out of a superior spirituality and just speak it into bread. And so the Lord's reply to Satan was that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Even though the Messiah is anointed of God and endorsed of God and filled and clothed with the Holy Spirit of God, he still remains subject to God and subject to the processes of earth. Unless God speaks otherwise, I am not going to act otherwise. In the second temptation, as narrated by Matthew's gospel, the devil takes Jesus to the holy city and he sets him high on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says to the Son of God, If you are the Son of God... Then jump. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. In other words, you're divine, you're approved, you are super spiritual, so just show off a little bit. Wow us a little bit. Show your great faith in God by just jumping. And you may remember Jesus' response, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Even though it's in the scriptures, that does not mean presumptuously we put God to the test by acting outside of the confines of our humanity. Humans do not jump off of buildings. There are consequences for humans when they jump off of buildings, even consequences for the Son of God. I hope you can understand how humble Jesus was in his humanity, but that does not mean he didn't have spiritual authority. In fact, even in these temptations, he was able to resist the devil. He stayed within the confines, the limitations of his humanity, yet the devil in that humble state that he was in, could not gain a foothold in his mind and in his heart. And that is what spiritual authority is all about. You do not need to handle snakes to prove to God that you are in spiritual authority. You know, in Mark chapter 16, it says that we will take up snakes, and even if we were to drink anything deadly, we will by no means be harmed. And so many believers wanted to prove to God how spiritual they are, take up snakes and they would drink poison and it has never worked for those believers and then of course you always have that one brother who sits on the side and say yeah it's because you have sin in your life or you don't have enough faith that is absurd jesus does not use the scriptures to act outside of his humanity and be all bravado about it As the divine figure, the most authoritative figure in the universe, he remained fully human, yet fully spiritual, yet fully authoritative. So where does this leave you and I with our fragile humanity and the promises and authority of the scriptures? Well, beloved, It's okay to be a fragile human being and not have it together all of the time. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to stay subject to the processes of earth. It's okay to stay at the pinnacle of the temple and take the stairs down. No shortcuts, but just the process of walking. If you struggle in life, that does not mean... God is not with you. If you've got to walk down the pinnacle stairs all the way to the bottom. And by the time you get to the bottom, sweat is on your brow and blisters are on your feet. Beloved, it's okay. It's a part of life on this planet. And all the while, you are a man and a woman of authority climbing down those stairs. And all the while, you've resisted the devil because he's not in your mind and in your heart. And what about the scriptures? What about all of the promises of the scriptures? Well, this is where we need the rhema word of God versus the logos word of God. Let me explain the scriptures that is ink on paper we, in a general way, would say this is the Logos of God. It is the Word of God. It's the written Word of God. It has all of the hopes and the promises and the blessings of God. And we can have faith in that and we can believe God for that. But when Jesus was tempted, he said it is not good for man to only live by bread alone, but man should live by the Word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the Greek word that Jesus uses there is the word rhema. It is the now piercing, pertinent, specific, unique word of God regarding a certain situation. So yes, it is in the Bible that his angels will carry us. But did God speak that word now, piercingly, uniquely, specifically to me, if I only act Sometimes on the promises of the scriptures, without the Rama specific word, I can potentially um, get into trouble. So, beloved, in all circumstances, we honor the Word of God. Yes, we trust the Word of God. Yes, but I also have to incline my ear to the now, today speaking of God, into my being. And those two have to be in agreement the logos and the rhema have to come together so beloved if you don't jump off of buildings and yet the bible says he will give his angels charge concerning you you know psalm 91 that does not mean you're not a man of faith that does not mean you are belittling the word of god if you don't walk on water today like jesus walked on water it's okay if you try to walk on water and you sink it's, it's okay. You are not belittling the authority of the Scriptures or the Word of God. You just, in that moment, maybe didn't hear God specifically say to you, hey, step out of the boat and walk on water. It's very easy for us to just become lazy and trust the written Scriptures, and we become, as it were, death to the spoken voice of God. I'll give you another example from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, where Jesus traveled through a Samaritan village, and for some reason or another, they did not receive his ministry. And so James and John, they remembered, ah, the written scriptures have an example of Elijah's contest with the prophets of Baal. And fire came down out of the heavens and consumed the, the sacrifice. So what if we just put our faith in the authority of the Scriptures, the example of the Scriptures, and call down fire upon the Samaritans. And so they said to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, these people did not receive your message. Should we call down fire out of heaven and judge and condemn and just obliterate these Samaritans and and show them what real authority is all about and real power is all about? And they shouldn't mess with us. And Jesus looked to his disciples in chapter 9, verse 55, and he rebuked them, and he said to them, You do not know of what spirit you are of. Even though it's in the scriptures, there's an example of fire coming out of the heavens. My father did not speak a specific word to you, James and John, to call down fire. So you are presumptuous. You are arrogant. You are misapplying and misappropriating and misinterpreting the scriptures. Beloved, it's okay. It's genuinely okay to remain human. And on the human plane, you're going to have breakthrough and setbacks, acceptances and rejection. If people reject you, that does not mean that Satan is now ruling the situation and your authority is being diminished and woe is you. It's okay. It's a part of life on this planet. But if you want to have spiritual authority, then I tell you, uh, guard against anger and bitterness and revenge and bravado and a show-off mentality. Now you're genuinely in spiritual authority, even as you remain weak. I want to give you one more example of a man in the New Testament who for me exhibited spiritual authority, yet remained utterly human. And that man's name is none other than the Apostle Paul. Towards the end of the book of Acts, notably in chapter 27, there is a marvelous account of this mighty apostle, this man of God, we may even call him this spiritual man, this man of authority. And such dignity and nobility in God, a man of power, a man of spiritual revelation and knowledge and wisdom and giftings that is at the very same time 100% human and subject to the affairs of the human life and the course and the processes of human living. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is on a journey to reach Rome and appear before Caesar to make a case about his gospel and the accusation from the Jews. And starting in chapter 27, verse 10, Paul would say to the men who is going to journey with him to Rome, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. And I find it utterly intriguing that such a spiritual man as the apostle, a man of such authority, a man of such wisdom and knowledge and revelation, a man that had been caught up to other realms, would at the very same time be subject to nature's elements. If I was with Paul at that time, I would have said, Paul, why don't you just rebuke the wind and the waves and call forth a smooth sailing to Rome? That's our heritage. That's our destiny. That's our calling to have life easy with no shipwreck, no hunger, no difficulty. I might even have rebuked Paul and said, you are just not believing God enough. You're not believing in the blessings and the prosperity of the sons and daughters of God. Paul, what is wrong with you? Are you in a backslidden condition? No. Paul never lost his authority, as you will see in the upcoming verses. But he also never lost his humanity and The boundaries of humans, when humans attempt to sail the Mediterranean at the wrong time of the year, under the wrong winds, etc., etc., the ship is going to be destroyed. It says in Acts 27.11 that the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of all of these men and he said, you should have listened to me, men. We should not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. And the angel said to me, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Paul now speaks and he says, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. So, yeah, the rhema word of God came to Paul. But notice the next sentence. Listen carefully. The blessing, the endorsement from God towards Paul is there. You're going to reach Rome. But listen to Acts 27, verse 26. Paul says however even though God had spoken this word to me through that angelic being we must nevertheless run aground on a certain island our journey is going to have some detours and some hindrances and we are not just exempt from the storms and the winds and the currents and the waves etc etc nevertheless we are going to reach Rome But it will be with difficulty. Why? Because we are very much subject to the affairs of this world and the processes and the consequences of this world. So where does that leave you and I? Well, I hope you can draw encouragement from this message that it's okay to be human. It's okay to board a ship. It's okay to plan wisely your journey, your departure, the wind, the season, It's okay to be prudent as a human being, to sow, to water, to uh, cultivate, to to, um, prune, and then to reap. If things don't happen for you overnight, that doesn't mean that you're not in spiritual authority. Again, Paul is a man of authority. Yet, he's at peace with the process it's going to take to reach Rome. He would eventually commandeer that whole ship and tell the captain when to sail and what to do. And yet at the same time, he was in shackles. He was a prisoner. He was confined and limited to a prisoner, if you will. And yet at the same time, he was a mighty man of God. Well, there you have it. Spiritual authority is not to act careless and thoughtless in your humanity. Under the direction of God, under the peace of the Holy Spirit, under the counsel of those in expertise, do whatever it takes to take care of your humanity. Drink the appropriate medicine, eat the appropriate food, do whatever it takes, and not one minute suppose that you are grieving God for putting your arm, your broken arm, in a cast. You're not grieving God for getting that surgery. You're not grieving God for pulling that weed out of your garden. It's okay to be human. Christ was human. Christ was fully, fully identified with the limitations of our humanity. And that's why, according to the book of Hebrews, he can be a fantastic, sympathetic, and compassionate high priest to us. As we weed that garden, he knows what we're going through. As we're going to that surgery and we're living in these frail human bodies, he knows what it is like, and he is there to aid us. According to Hebrews, He is not aiding the angels. He doesn't help them. He helps humanity. And He suffers with us. And He hears us. And He groans and aches with us to be delivered from our human condition. And to be transformed and glorified. But until that day, He's with us. He endorses us. All that we need to do is take the staircase. And instead of jumping off the temple pinnacle, take a walk with God. Because that's what God wants from humanity. No shortcuts. Just a walk with God. Let's take the staircase and walk with God down. the valley of life and in the valley of the shadow of death let's enjoy the Lord let's walk with the Lord because it is there in the midst of all that difficulty that he spreads a table before us in the presence of our enemies beloved if you're a man and a woman of God and you're in the authority of God then Hear carefully the voice of God when to act outside of the confines of your humanity. But I submit to you, for the most part, God will probably limit us to our humanity. And that's okay. Because God loves humans. I only hope you and I can get to that place where we learn to love our selves.